Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi. Welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Daniel Holloway. Every week, we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. Today, we're talking with Janet Mock, Stephen Canals, and Our Lady J for the epic series Pose. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Caroline Framke. I'm one of Variety's TV critics. I'm here with uh, Janet Mock, producer, writer, director of Pose. Uh, Our Lady J, producer, writer. Stephen Canals, co-creator, executive producer, and writer. Welcome. Hello. Thank Thanks you. for having oh, us. It's so good to be here. So excited to have you, and especially after seeing the full first season, congratulations on it. Um, something that I loved about it and that really moved me is that it ended so happily. Mm. It ended very warmly, and just mm. everyone seemed to be in a better place than when they started, which is unusual for characters like this. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about how you came to that, why it was important to you. Well, that ending was by design. You know, at its core, Pose is a family drama, and it is an aspirational story that centers this community um, that has often not been highlighted. Um, You know, it's a story about love and acceptance. It's a celebration of identity. Um, And so the ending really, truly came out of the themes of the show. Um, I think that that final scene in the Chinese restaurant is... It just so exemplifies what our show is all about, you know. And I think we obviously in the writers' room had conversations about cliffhangers and maybe taking the ending of, of the finale to a darker place to bring the audience in for a second season. But we felt like, you know, that would it just wasn't tonally in line with the narrative that we've been telling all season, and it felt like it would be inauthentic to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And it was a tone that I think that we really found in the room. You know, I will say that before we shot the pilot and the second episode in New York altogether, um, we had a grittier version of Pose in our minds. Mm-hmm. And then we met the actors and we saw them on set with one another and we saw the energy and the exuberance and the, the feeling that was there. And the feeling was not one of tragedy or trauma that's so mm-hmm. deeply linked to these these people's lives, this community's lives, our community's mm-hmm. lives. And we realized that we had a responsibility to these characters, to these actors, to this show, and to the audience to give them a reflection of themselves that maybe wasn't always on the deepest, darkest side of, of the grim reality that was 1980s New York City. Right. 
Well, especially because just in general, even people whose stories didn't end happily, they had happy times. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. That we can't be defined by our traumas solely. Right. And we're all here because we're survivors, mm-hmm. and every person in the cast is a survivor as well. And I think we've all seen the story of the victim and the hardships, but what we haven't seen in society, in film, television, even in literature, are um, except for Janet Mock's Redefining Realness, mm-hmm. New York Times bestseller. Um, <laughs> yes, we haven't plug, seen we haven't seen the story of survival, and we wanted to tell that story because it's who we are. Um, yes, I love that, and I feel like especially I've never seen a show quite like Pose that is as explicit about chosen families mm-hmm. and how they come together and why they're so important. I feel like there are a lot of shows um, that will emphasize that family, like blood family, sticks together no matter what, but that doesn't take into consideration that sometimes blood family doesn't want to stick by you no matter what. Mm, right. <laughs> and Pose really digs into that. Can you talk a little bit about bringing that story to TV. Well, one of the things that made me love this show so much and made me agree to work on it and what drew me to it was, you know, the script that that Stephen and Brad Falchuk and Ryan Murphy wrote, which was about a trans woman of color who is diagnosed with HIV, who wants to create a home and goes and saves the life of a black boy who's pushed out of his home because he's gay. That, to me, was enough to be like, I'm going to sign my life over and start working <laughs> on this series. Because there was so much that was, that was subversive about that, that a woman or a character as a trans person would not be vilified or traumatized, but instead she would use the trauma of her own life to then be able to become the kind of mother that a black queer boy was never able to have access to. Um, Mm -hmm. And to me, that is the power of the show. That is what creates this family drama dynamic that I think really is aspirational to so many who've been pushed out of their homes and who don't have social safety nets to take care of them. And I think that the ballroom community has done that so well that they created a whole system Mm -hmm. to take care of one another when no one has chosen to come out to take care of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we've only seen um, cisgender straight people straight folks tell our show tell our story rather Mm -hmm. and to have people behind the scenes um, to have two out of five writers be trans women we know that it's not always our families who are going to protect us our our given families it's our chosen families who we survive with Mm -hmm. so I think that's just part of our lived experience that we brought to the show and um, it really is a a message to the world that whenever you bring in trans people behind the camera to tell these stories Mm -hmm. you're going to get a very different story and a very specific and accurate story to what our lives are really like what was your collaboration like when you came together to write a script? Because I was really excited to see that the third episode was written by you two. Well, well we got to write the Christmas episode. <laughs> was Christmas, amazing. Christmas family cheer, <laughs> written by two trans women, never done before. I, I think the dynamic of the writers' room has been really just magical. Yeah. I mean, I hope you can see that just with us here alone laughing with each other <laughs> right before we started recording. <laughs> That um, it really felt like family. The mm-hmm. moment, the first time we all came together, yeah. um, you know, I had been a fan of everyone in the room before I came into the room, and then when we were all Same there, there, it was like we were just home. 
Yeah. And then we all, you know, we break the story together in the room as as a team, the five of us. Um, and then we go out and individually go and write the the scripts or mm-hmm. we write them together or whatever, however that looks like. Um, and so for me, it just, it, I remember the, for me, the, the red pump narrative <laughs> mm-hmm. that came out of Ryan's own experience um, was really powerful to see that come in, into essence, right? Mm-hmm. This idea of gender policing that happens to every single kid, mm-hmm. not just trans kids, right? It happened mm-hmm. to Ryan as a kid. Um, I'm sure it happened to Steven in so many different ways. And of course, it happened to, to us as well. And so to be able to have this kind of collaboration that shows the universality mm-hmm. of the different kinds of ways in which we're expected to perform and be, and to have India Moore as Angel give that to the world and then to have Blanca as, you know, MJ Rodriguez to be a solution or one possibility of how this could turn out differently, that we love you here and here's your red pumps girl, you know? And so like that was one of my favorite things to, to be a part of in terms of getting that, that story out to the world. I rewatched it this morning, confession, <laughs> while I was in hair and makeup. I was like, let me just refresh. <laughs> and I have to say, I cried. I mean, I've seen that scene so many times when Angel opens that the box, like the performances and these with a fork. artists. With the fork. <laughs> it was just, Too I don't know, so special <laughs> and such an honor to be a part of such a special episode. Yeah, and Angel in particular, I... I feel like television and the world in general is very bad at portraying and empathizing with sex workers yes. and mm-hmm. Pose mm-hmm. not so much, <laughs> um, especially with Angel and then with Electra at the end. How um, did you approach telling those stories and what did you, what was really important to you to get right? Well, I mean, these characters are human beings. They're people first, mm-hmm. you know, and I think in the same way that our show centers queer and trans people right who are not defined by their identities in that way right like there are so many facets to what makes us who we are and so angel should not solely be defined by her trans identity nor should she solely be defined by the fact that she is also a survival sex worker um and so we all as a writer's room approach all of our characters from a very real and true heart space Right? That these are individuals that have hopes and have aspirations and have dreams for their lives. Um, and that was always the compass that helped to guide us in telling a more nuanced story. And I think it's also deeply rooted in knowing our characters, as Stephen said, and knowing the circumstances and the hurdles that they have to jump in order to have even a semblance of safety. Um, survival sex work is one that I had to deeply engage in as a teenager to take care of myself in a world that wasn't taking care of me as a black trans girl in the world. And so I think we don't come to our characters with a sense of judgment. Mm-hmm. We come mm-hmm. to them with a sense of empathy mm-hmm. um, and a sense of you got to make a way out of no way. And I think that that's one of the, the themes and the ethos of our show, that mm-hmm. we never judge. We never um, they judge each other and they read each other because, you know, come on, that's what, that's what sisterhood and family is. But <laughs> the way that we read each other and Stephen right. and his yeah. Aquaphor uh, applications every three and a half minutes. But my lips are always moist. <laughs> Janet in her lotion. Yeah. <laughs> Jay in her magnetic lashes, you know, whatever it is, you know, it, it is a family. Here we go. <laughs> It works. It works. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's my turn. <laughs> um, oh, yes. 
another question I had. Um, even in my introducing you all, you're all multi-hyphenates on this show, um, which is great. You're all in different, involved in very different aspects of the show. What have you maybe learned from producing or writing or directing that you didn't necessarily think you would be engaging in before? Well, I uh, I worked on Transparent before I came to Pose, and I was a musician before. And so I entered this world of television coming from the music industry, which said, no, we don't want to hear a trans woman sing songs that are earnest. You know, we need dance music. And, and so to, to have the um, idiom of television where you can talk and educate and ex- uh, about your experience with identity was so fulfilling and something that I didn't even realize I could do because mm. the doors were never open. Mm. And so whenever Transparent happened, I jumped at that that opportunity to tell my story and then I'm um, coming on board with Pose it's just an entirely different show so it's it's a new muscle that I've been flexing and I think one of the the biggest joys about Pose is that I get to write for a character like Electra <laughs> who I just think what? let me go to this character in my head because it's going to be so much fun um, so there's just really a level of joy that I've never experienced with writing and producing before mm. on Pose that I just look forward to every day when I show up my career has been like shoots and ladders. <laughs> you know, my previous experience was as a staff writer on Dead of Summer. Um, and I didn't have an opportunity to produce the episode that I wrote. And suddenly I'm now elevated to co-executive <laughs> producer, co-creator with Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk. And now suddenly I'm on a set. And, you know, my voice matters, you know. And pitching ideas in the room with the other writers uh, those ideas are making it to the board Mm -hmm. and in fact they're making it into the script Mm -hmm. you know which was incredible and so um you know having ryan murphy and brad falchuk be not only collaborators but mentors Mm -hmm. really truly to all of us was incredible you know ryan murphy in his 20 plus years being a prolific arguably the most prolific tv producer of all time and tv creator took us under his wing and has taught us the ways right like he really truly showed us what it means to produce television Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know to write quality premium content and then to put that on the air for audiences which is incredible like i'll carry those lessons with me for the rest of my career and you directed an episode janet Mm -hmm. um what did you what was maybe the most challenging part of that i when i watched that episode I was so struck there are so many. I mean, as with every episode of Pose, there are so many different kinds of scenes, very personal, intimate scenes, big ball scenes. What was maybe the most challenging one to do? Well, I think it would be the whole entire episode I had never directed before. <laughs> and it was actually nothing. It was never on my to-do list of career things. I think it goes back to what Stephen and, and Jay said, which is that Ryan truly just has empowered us um, mm-hmm. and has offered us opportunities to do things that we probably never would have done before or been brave enough to even ask for. And so mm-hmm. when he approached me to direct, I remember just at, I remember actually saying no, like, I don't think that I'm ready. I don't have the skill set. And that largely came from a space of lack, a space in which I never really saw um, women of color, women, queer folk, trans folk behind the camera. Right. And so to be a part of a show where that opportunity comes forward um, was really humbling and amazing. And I'm glad that I got the opportunity to do it. And now I know that it's possible. Um, probably the most difficult scene to to direct would have been the fight scene. Mm. 
in theory, I had never done stunt coordination. I've never worked with stunt doubles. Um, and we also had, you know, Stan um, and Matt, um, James Vanderbeek and um, Evan Peters fighting and talking. <laughs> it was a very talky scene. And so to make that feel natural, it, it was it was a little weird um, in theory. And then when we got to the space, it was the easiest scene to shoot. <laughs> I thought it was going to be mm. the most difficult. And and I think it also probably was a gender thing, too. Mm. Um, as a woman, I just was like, it's such a display of masculinity. And, like, can I do this? And will it feel authentic and real? And so I just had my own hang-ups about it. But it, it was the quickest scene that I shot out of the entire out of the entire episode. Just a couple punches. And yeah, <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, um, Jay, already mentioned uh, Electra, And I was... Wondering if you had any favorite characters to write for. Electra seems like the most obvious I think character to do for that. For dialogue, Electra is my favorite character to write. I think in memes sometime. <laughs> what would this look like in a meme? <laughs> because that's who Electra is, you know. It, are there uh, one line zingers? But I think for story, um, Pray Tell and Blanca, mm. um, telling the stories of people living with HIV has been so healing for me. I was um, diagnosed 15 years ago and to be able to use my experience and my hindsight, I was in my early 20s at the time and now as a 40-year-old woman, I'm looking at my um, HIV status as it actually enabled my survival in this world. Mm -hmm. It gave me the power that I didn't have. It taught me to be strong. It taught me to fight. It taught me to stand up for myself. And to be able to put that into these characters has been soul satisfying on a level mm -hmm. that I can't even begin to explain in words. You just did, though. <laughs> did I explain it in words? You did. did I use my words? <laughs> <laughs> Kudos to you. Thank you. Oh, Favorite characters to write for? Mm. Uh, I, Poppy. Favorite characters? <laughs> yeah, the other two. I love to write for Little Poppy. <laughs> I love, just love. I love uh, Angel Bismarck Curiel, who plays Little Poppy, is such a wonderful actor. Mm -hmm. And um, and, and co-writing episode seven with Lady J was so much fun, and being able to highlight that particular character and his journey was wonderful. Um, and I really love to write for Blanca as well. I have a real soft spot in my heart for her because she... I put so much of <clears throat> my mom into that character. You know, she just... She's so maternal, you know, and mm -hmm. Blanca just truly loves unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And she really wants to leave the world better mm -hmm. than it was when she entered it. Um... You know, I don't know that I would have been able to write a character like her if I didn't receive an immense amount of love from really, really, really strong black and brown women. Yeah. I think my favorite characters to write for would be a tie between Angel, um, played by India Moore, largely because I was that lovesick young girl who only wanted a boy to hold my hand, um, who wanted someone who'd be seen outside with me and hold me and be proud to be with me. Um, Angel and India both have a deep well of confidence. Mm. Just the way that India, when she's inhabiting Angel, walks into a room, you feel like this is someone that you like, where did this being come from? And so to write um, her strength into her vulnerability 
And I think that India has a special way of, even in her quiet moments, letting you know that she's doing something extraordinary. <laughs> and so it's exciting to write for her. And of course, you know, Candy, played play by Angelica Ross, <laughs> as our yes. evil stepsister of all time, um, who's always fighting with Praetel. When she fights with Praetel, it's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> Fuck you, Praetel! <laughs> like, if she, she, she says that in every, almost every episode. <laughs> she's like, and no I, just, I just, I love it. I just love that, that stand. Like, no one can get under his skin, Praetel's skin, like how Candy can. I just, I just love... <laughs> I just uh, ooze every ounce of that. I just love it. It gives me life. Oh, that last scene she had in the finale where she comes forward. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's a hammer. Yes. Have you seen the gif of it? It's mesmerizing. Just Beautifully over. directed by Gwyneth Horder Payton, yes. who's just a master. And that scene in someone else's hands could have come off as so camp and like over the top. Mm. But it felt real when she runs to her handbag <laughs> to grab a hammer. It's like iconic. So good. I saw that at one of my first balls that I was at, really? I saw someone grab a hammer out of their purse. And I said to the room, I was like, this needs to be in an episode. And I was so happy it made it. I love that. Yeah, that she brought it in the handbag. That wasn't just around. <laughs> no, she was ready oh, for she a survivor. She came to survive That was not a spontaneous decision. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, for last question, um, Post has this incredible platform now and it's on this big prestige network and it's got money behind it and publicity, which is amazing. And I was wondering if there are any other queer trans stories that maybe aren't getting as much attention that you really like and would like to see more people discover. There's a wonderful show on stars called Vida created by Tanya Siracho. Um, and it's all about queer Latinx folks. And it is, it's funny and it's sexy and it's smart. Um, and the last two episodes of the first season aired half an hour before Pose aired. <laughs> and so this summer for two full weeks on one night in the span of an hour and a half, anyone who was queer or trans could turn on the television and see themselves represented on not one but two networks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really hope that folks will go to Stars um, and watch that show because it's great. I hope people go to Viceland for my house. Mm -hmm. And I think, more importantly, all of my um, associates and peers who are trying to get projects made, who are really struggling to be heard, I think it's important to um, let the executives um, know that these are stories that need to be told. There are so many stories that we haven't seen yet. And I think we need to keep our hearts open that... Just because Pose is happening now doesn't mean that's the end. You know, there are many more stories that still need to be told. Mm -hmm. I was going to say Viceland as well, just like Our Lady J. Um, I I love the realness and the authenticity. um, And I always appreciate and actually um, and inspired by anyone that can step forward with their own story and allow cameras and or their own hands to tell their stories um, to be seen in that way. And I think, too, I think that that's why we all feel so uplifted that FX stood behind us and, and you know, John Landgraf and Dana Walden saying that there's more story here and mm-hmm. that we're going to give you all the resources because I think that it shows um, to the industry that this is worthy and that these stories are deserving and that um, a show that doesn't only feature people like us on screen but also behind the camera and to realize, too, that it's employing 
hundreds of LGBTQ people. Um, if you look at our ball scenes alone, there are over 150 background actors, oh. some of whom have been with us from the first day, who got lines and now have SAG cards. And so this show alone, Pose, has been able to empower, economically empower a community to see that there's more possible um, and that now hopefully this will be the first credit on their resumes to go forward and create their own projects and star in other projects. And so I think that we get to do another season of that is, is really exciting and I think hopefully becomes a model for other um, content creators. Yeah, I hope so too. Thank you so much. This was incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We'll be back soon with another great episode. And if you like this show, I'd appreciate it if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know, too, who you'd want to hear from. What stars and producers should we invite on the show? Email us at podcastsofvariety.com. See you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.